have to utter an ancient <clears throat> word right there. Hoo-wee! <laughs> oh, thank you, Francis Choir, Dead, Works are Power. Hearts filled to overflowing. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and find 1 Timothy for me, if you will. 1 Timothy chapter 2 will be there in just a few moments. 41 years ago, last Sunday, Tampa, Florida saw one of the most horrible tragedies in its long and wonderful history. It was on the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. The southbound span of the bridge was destroyed during rush hour at 7.38 in the morning when a freighter, the Summit Venture, collided with one of the columns during a sudden squall. It sent a 1,200-foot span section of the bridge into Tampa Bay. As a result, six cars, one truck, and a Greyhound bus plunged 150 feet into the frigid waters. Thirty-five people were killed. There was only one survivor. Those who managed to stop their vehicles before they got to the, to the edge jumped out and began to stop people from coming, keeping them from plunging to their own death and tragedy as well. They formed a human barricade, a human roadblock to keep others from suffering the fate of those who'd gone in to the waters. I want you to know something, my friends, in the series of sermons we'll be bringing over the course of the next week. It's about how God puts roadblocks, barricades, blockades, obstructions in the path of all mankind doing all he can without violating our freedom of will to keep us from plunging headlong into utter and eternal destruction. It is the essence of the Word of God that God wants people to be saved. You heard earlier as Derek read to you from 2 Peter chapter 3. And there it says, God is long-suffering towards us, not willing, it's not his will, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's, that's God's will. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, find verses 3 and 4, and you see the same thing stated in a different way. Paul writes, this is good and pleases God and our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So vehemently is that God's will, that he does anything possible without violating your freedom of choice to keep you out of hell and open the gates of heaven for you. In the Old Testament times, they didn't have roadblocks the way we would think of them today. But in the Bible, what we find many times over is God's use of hedges. Now, these hedges were not just nice little shrubs. These were thorn bushes. Some of them with spikes about two inches long. 
very hard, and sometimes could be deadly. In order to protect life from the animals that roam, many more there at that time than is today. The Bible talks about lions, bears, talks about leopards, talks about hyenas. In order to protect life, they could have built tall stone walls. But that took a lot of time and a lot of energy. Wood was scarce, it even is today, and so they wouldn't waste wood in building fences. But the natural growing brambles that had these harsh, harsh thorns would be induced to grow around a living area, a compound, or around a pen that you would keep the sheep and the goats in. And so God took that often in the Old Testament to talk about building a hedge. Building a hedge around people or using a hedge to somehow guide his people or protect his people. We find that throughout the Old Testament. God would build a hedge around people for several reasons. I want you to note these. His first reason for building a hedge is because he loves us. In the book of Job, when Satan was challenging God... One of the things that Satan says was, well, Job loves you because you built a hedge round about him. He was talking about this hedge of heavy thorns that, that Satan couldn't even get through. God builds hedges because he loves people. He builds hedges also because he wants to protect his people. The enemy from without, those, those varmints, the wolves or whatever, We'll try to get in to, especially during lambing season, to take the young lambs. But they could not penetrate the height and the pain of those hedges. And so they stayed out. I want you to know the evil one is doing everything he can to permeate where you live. His desire is to destroy you. God builds hedges to protect his people. But the third reason he builds hedges is to guide his people. To guide his people. He, he wants them to, to be directed in his path. And we see this often in the Old Testament as he's trying to direct his people, especially his people Israel. That through things that would happen to them, God would be building a hedge to get them going in his direction and not stubbornly stiff-necked in their own direction. And that truth is what brings us to the very first of these roadblocks that God builds even today in our lives ways he will do anything without violating our freedom to keep a man or woman, boy or girl, from rushing headlong into hell. The first of those roadblocks I want you to see is the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible itself. From one end to the other, this is God's revelation of himself to man. But specifically, it's revealing his incredible love and his plan, his desire, to rescue mankind from sin, rescue them from Satan, rescue us from ourselves. If you were asked, what one Bible verse or one story from the Scriptures sums up the message of the Bible. There are several things that you might choose. 
You might choose John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you would choose Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, where God tells the children of Israel, choose life for you and all of your descendants. There's a story that's really been close to my heart here of late. And I want to share it with you this morning as the message of the Bible. And that's in the Old Testament, and it's the story of the prophet Hosea. Some years ago, I heard the great black preacher, African-American preacher, E.V. Hill, preach on this subject. And I came home and went into my study and began to write. And I'd like to share with you a monologue that I wrote then that I think is still very, very apropos for today. A monologue is a story given in character. So I'll just slip on a robe here. And the purpose of this is to tell the Bible story, and to do that in a way that it might impact, in a way that just reading the scriptures may not. This is my story stick that's been with me many years, and I've been in the process of telling these stories. And so I share with you today a story that I wrote simply called The Heart of God. My name is Hosea. I am prophet of the Most High God. I have been summoned here today to share with you the witness of my ministry. As you account for time, this happened between 750 and 725 B.C. I was just returning home from one of my many crusades. As I was coming down the far side of Mount Tabor, I was arrested by a sensation that, though rare, was not altogether new to me. I was flabbergasted. I knew deep within my soul that suddenly I was in the presence of the Most High God. His voice came to me as it were in the wind, but as if he was whispering directly into my ear. And he said to me, he said, Hosea, I would talk to you concerning the infidelity, the idolatry, the immorality of my people, Israel. You remember that we are married, Israel and I, she promised to be my people, and I promised to be her God. But she has left me, Hosea. She has gone in harlotry, seeking after other gods, satisfying her insatiable desire for debauchery, and allowing them to invade into my private domain. Well, say, I am calling upon you to go and speak my heart to my people. She has fractured our fellowship. She has ruptured our relationship 
by allowing these gods to possess her heart. I didn't know what to say. What do you say when the sovereign God unburdens his heart as a jilted lover? And so I, I, I said to God, I, I understand and I sense your pain. But what is, what is that to me? Why, why are you calling and telling me this? So God calls me in my spirit to travel above time with him for a moment. To see the panoramic history of Israel. And how God had chosen a people for himself. And entered into covenant with his bride. And how he lavished her with all the blessings you could imagine. Brought her into a, a fruitful land flowing with milk and honey. And how he bestowed upon her riches and prominence among all the other nations. But how repeatedly, time and time again, she would turn her back on the God to whom she was wed and go in to play the harlot after other gods. And God would raise up prophets to go and speak to her and to share with her what was going to be the outcome of her continued idolatry. Over and over again, though she may temporarily cry out for respite and God would deliver, in no time she would be right back whoring after the other gods. To my utter amazement, I thought God was about to annihilate Israel, to wipe her off the earth. And remove her very name from history. But God said, Hosea, I will save Israel. Not by army of bows or horsemen, but by my love. I will save Israel. And I said, God, I'm, I'm humbled to hear your heart. But, but what would you have me to do? Where, 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 where do I fit in with your plan? And God said, Jose, I'm glad you asked. You see, I, I want you to get married. M married? I asked. Yes, I, I want to use your life and your life experiences to speak a message to my people. M married? You, you, you want me to get married? 
And God said, Hosea, I've been following you on your crusades. And you do all right. You, you have power. You preach with eloquence. But Hosea, you do not know yet the height of my love or the breadth of my grace or the power of my mercy. You know of judgment. But you have yet to be able to preach my heart. And so I have determined that you can go through the fires of domestic difficulty. M married, I said. Well, well, God, it's, it's funny you should ask that. You see, there's, there is this young woman. Uh, I have not talked to her father yet. She's from an Orthodox home. She comes to all of my crusades. She supports my ministry. Why, she even helps me pass out Ten Commandment tracts. She'd be a fine, fine prophet's wife. And God said, I know that young woman... Hosea, and she will make some prophet a very fine wife, but not you. I've already chosen your bride. I've already chosen her. She's not from an orthodox home. She's not the child of a prophet. Hosea, she's a pagan. She's a prostitute. And I want you to love her and marry her. I, I can't tell you the burden that erupted in my chest. My commitment to God was being challenged by God himself. This must be a test. This must be a test of my purity to the faith. And so, taking my life in my hands, I said no, no, a thousand times no. I will not tarnish the name of my God. I will not bow to such pagan, this is a test. I will not strike me dead. I closed my eyes and said, Death, take me now. And when nothing happened, I opened one eye to look around. And then God said, The girl's name is Gomer. I said, Gomer? Who'd want to marry anybody named Gomer? God said, find her, court her, love her, marry her. I, I, I said, but God, I mean, maybe I will, but, but can I? What, what, 
what harmony should there be between a prophet and a prostitute? What? Oh, and then something come to me. You, you tell us, God, that we should be holy and we should be like you. There can be no communion between that which is holy in me and that which is impure in her. Right? I learned a lesson that day that it would do well for you to learn. God said, Hosea, I am not in the habit of laying my plans out for the approval of my creation. You need to understand something, Hosea. In this partnership that you and I share, I am the senior partner. When I speak to my creation, I expect only to be obeyed. And so when I call you to do something, there remains for you only one choice. Will I obey or not. Have you ever known for heaven to grow quiet? When God is waiting for you to make up your mind. Maybe you know this, maybe not, but if God is going to give you any understanding at all about his call on your life, it's going to be as you're walking on the road of obedience. And so I found myself walking and saying, yes, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do. And it was then that God began to explain himself. He said, Hosea, In many ways, you're ready to represent me, but in many ways, you're not. I want you to find Gomer, court her, love her, and marry her. And you will know joy, but you will also know pain. I found this young woman. Beautiful, though ravaged by her life of sin. I courted her. And much to my own surprise, fell deeply in love with her. And we were married. The prostitute to the prophet. What happened to me was like yesterday. We were so happy at first. She was so proud of her new standing in the community, in her new clothes and her new hairdo. She could go to the well and, and not be afraid. And yet, I need you to understand about my wife. Because she was suffering from an incredible pull and a horrendous push. There was within her an incredible pull of the old way of life. The only life she'd known. 
for old ways and lifestyle constantly pulled at her. But I have to control myself right now because it was the outward push that did her in. You see, them people at the synagogue would never let my wife forget who she was and where she came from. She would be leaving the synagogue. They would gather in small little pods here and there. And they would say, there she is, that old... You... And you know what they called her. And this went on for years. And finally she came home one day and she said, Hosea... If that's all the difference your religion makes, I want none of it. And that's when everything began to change. First she stayed out all night. A little later it was three days. Once she was gone a whole week. And then she didn't come back at all. Just me and my, our three children. After about three months, I decided I've had all this I could stand. So I made my way back up to Mount Tabor. Me and God was going to have it out. And I was prepared what I was going to say. And I got there, but God was there before me. I said, now God, and he said, Hosea, sit down. Hosea, where is Gomer? I said, where is Gomer? Where is Gomer? You, God, you tell me where Gomer is. I don't know where she is. I ain't seen a girl in months. God said, Hosea, how do you feel about Gomer? How do I feel? How do I feel? Do you know what that woman's done to me? God said, oh, I know. But that begs the question, how do you feel about Goma? Don't you know what's happened? I've been criticized and stigmatized and ostracized. I can't go back to the prophetic fraternity. She has ruined my ministry. What do you mean? What do I feel about Gomer? God said, I know all that. But you haven't answered my question. How do you feel about Gomer? God, I hate to admit it. Not even to you. But I love that girl. I love that girl. This is tearing my heart out. And God said, now, you're ready to preach. Now you're ready to take my word to my bride, Israel. 
whom I have loved, whom I have lavished all my affections upon, whom I have blessed, but who has left me to go to her old gods. Now, Hosea, are you ready to preach my heart and to tell my people, you can break my heart, but you will never break my love. I love you. And you can still come home. I made my way home. Next day the children were in the house cleaning up. I was working in the field. Down at the end of the row, a man came walking up. I knew him from town, didn't know his name. He said, pardon me, Hosea, I, 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 I don't want to interrupt, I, but you need to know your wife is being auctioned off as a slave downtown. I just thought you'd need to know. I dropped to my knees there in the field and cried out to God, God, what do I do? And he said, son, take everything you have and go buy your wife back. And so I ran to the house, gathered everything I had, rushed towards town. Now that old man had already heard you before me. He was in town, and he was telling everybody along the way, oh, Hosea's going to be coming down the road here in just a little bit. His wife's on the slave block. Let's get together. We'll watch him. He'll shake his finger in her face. He'll laugh at her and say, you getting what you deserve. So when I came along, the crowds had gathered. You know how people gather when families are in trouble to talk and point. But they didn't know my heart. I rounded the corner just in time to hear the auctioneer say, Now here I have a, a fine woman, an experienced woman, that you can have if the price is right. And there she stood on the slave block, naked, as was the custom in our day, and ashamed. And I found myself bidding against men I know for my own wife. Five, then ten, then fifteen, and fifteen and a half, and that's all I had. But in the providence of God, that's all I needed. Sold, the auctioneer said. And I rushed to the slave block and I took off my robe. And I put it around her naked body and led her down and out path towards home. A little ways down the road, she fell on her knees behind me. And she cried out, thank you, Hosea. Thank you, Hosea. I'll, I'll be a faithful slave to you. I will serve you all the days of my life. I'll be the best slave you've ever had. And I turned around and I said, woman, get up. I don't want no slave. I want my wife back. 
My kids don't need a nanny. They need their mama. Get up. Come home. Be the wife you were always meant to be. And let me be the husband I've always wanted to be. My time with you grows to an end. Let me tell you why I was summoned here today. For you to tell all the gomers of all the world and all of history, you can break God's heart, but you cannot break his love. Come home. Come home. God made a way for lost men and women to come home. When he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the ransom when you and I were on the slave block of sin, to buy us back, body, mind, and soul, from the life that was having us rushing headlong into destruction. God loves you too much to let you fall off that bridge without putting every roadblock possible in your life. And the message of the Bible screams to you, you may have broke my heart, but you'll never break my love. Come home. How do I do that, preacher? Well, if you're going to go anywhere, you have to take the first step. You can't take the second or third step till you take the first step. And the first step is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to be your personal Lord and Master. Accept his death on the cross as punishment in full for your sins and receive his eternal life. Whether you're in our sanctuary today or watching by media, it's time to do business with God. Will you bow your heads? And let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you have sent me today to share the story in my words, not your words, but in my words. To feel your heart, your heart of pain at seeing people you love destroying their lives. But that heart of love keeps reaching. And this morning you're reaching to men and women, boys and girls, right here in our sanctuary and watching by means of media at home. And the message to each one is the same. You've broken my heart, but you have not broken my love. I've made a way for you to come home. Father, may every person that have desires to come home again with God simply pray like this. Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have gone my own way. I've done my own life. And right now I understand that that has separated me from you. And I am rushing headlong into a godless eternity. 
right now I dare to believe that Jesus died to take my sins upon himself and rose again so that I might have eternal life. So right now I'm confessing to you my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, my Master. Cleanse me and forgive me. I want to be your very own. And Holy Spirit, I know by the authority that you've speak through your word that there's never been a human being that has made that decision that you've refused the prayer. Today, here in our sanctuary, as well as those at home, some people have prayed and asked you to be the boss in their lives. We want to celebrate in these next few minutes, Lord. And so when Ed leads us in this song, Holy Spirit, will you move in our congregation? If there are people who, who want to be saved, who want to join our fellowship, or want to just come and pray, will you give them the freedom to do that? If somebody wants to come and know what it means to be more about being saved, will you encourage them to come and just, just be seated here in our front row? And Eric and Derek, one, will be by them in just a few moments. Some wanting to join our church, same thing. Some may want to come and just pray. This is your time, Holy Spirit. God is only you will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.